This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tackling Life Podcast with the great Ray Lewis and me, Dr. Christian Conti. It's a success podcast that tackles life through the lessons of sports. Ray, my man, it's Monday. What's up? Doc, I hope your holidays was well. It's Monday. I'm sitting in Dallas right now. I got to go speak to the Cowboys in a minute. Life is beautiful. And uh, yeah, just good to hear your voice, man. Listen, I had a... Uh, I had a good weekend. Uh, my daughter playing, she's playing basketball and she's in rec league and I'm the coach. So, uh, I've actually was more nervous watching her play than I ever was playing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's different. It's different. You know, this is different when it's you because when it's you, you control it. When it's them, you got to sit there with these nervous nerves waiting to see what's going to happen and praying that nothing bad happens. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. Um, but just like all good stuff. Uh, she scored four points in her game and she played great D and she gave right effort. So for 11 years old, I'm proud of her. Yeah, man. My, uh, my son is in uh, Orlando that goes to Windermere prep. He had, uh, he had 27, 27 points and. Mm. All these rebounds and all these steals, and he's just playing incredible, man. So I'm proud of the boys. My son at Utah State is really doing awesome, too. So the boys doing good. All the kids doing really good, man. Good stuff. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. We have a special show lined up uh, for the listeners today because so many people just kind of write in and ask, can you, you know, can you please address these questions? And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to address some of the questions that the fans out there have been asking. And I, I kind of want to jump right into it. Because, let's jump right in. Let's, yeah. let's jump right in. Yeah. And, and Tony Martin asked a great question. Tony said, uh, how do you manage, how do you manage to maintain your motivation when it seems like everything's falling apart all around you? Um, that's an important question. And I promise that, that Tony is not alone in, in this question. That's for sure. How do you maintain your motivation when it seems like everything is falling apart all around you? Well, you know what, Doc? Honestly, you know, I think when you when you talk about maintaining, I think sometimes we have to realize maintaining isn't doesn't mean stand on the stand on top mm. or the whole time. Maintaining really just means how consistent can you be with something. Because things are gonna fall and things are gonna happen and 
and you find yourself in ruts and you find yourself just in, you know, life throws out so many curveballs to you. And I think the most consistent thing, Tony, honestly, is consistency, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I believe discipline is. Discipline is a level of consistent behavior Mm. to you make up in your mind that it's not the destination per se, but it's every step of the journey. Mm. Like, and, 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 and to really help Tony out, let me tell you this. It's really being excited whether you're on top of the peak of the mountain or in the valley of the mountain. Mm. Because if you still got the same spirit, no matter where you're at or no matter what you're going through, you know that you will find your way on the other side soon enough. That's beautiful. That's what it's about right there. Your spirit's the same no matter what's going on around you. And I, I really, what you said resonates with me tremendously. Uh, you and I, you know, we said, uh, when those, when I was working with those prisoners and they said they were doing 300 pushups and 500 a day and I said, I'm going to take on 300 and you jumped on with that. I've been maintaining that and it's been very difficult. And there have been times where I am not motivated to do 300 pushups in a day. I promise you. And I promise that to Tony, but, uh, I did something the other day that, that worked. And I thought of you, Ray, when I did it is I was sitting down and I thought, I don't want to do this. So I was just thinking, what would Ray do? And I just put myself on the floor and I just faced down and I just decided to start doing them. Like I didn't want to do it. I wasn't, it was like, Hey, I made a commitment. I'm going to do it. And I pictured you standing there and I just said, let's just start. And so I think that's it. But you you know what? And, 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 and this is to really help, not just, you know, the listeners, but to everyone like doc, when you, when you are faced with a decision, to start or think about starting, you're going to lose that battle 80% of the time. Mm. If you know something needs to get done, there is one thing, the only thing that matters, and that's getting it done. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Look, it's never the workouts that I did that I remember. It's the workouts that I didn't do Mm. That I remember, mm. you know, and and, yeah. and and that's when you talk about pushing through when everything may be collapsing around you. Doc, I had, you know, this man, I had some some deaths come up in the family and I had some, you know, and the family was, you know, really divided, man, for a while because it was just so much craziness going on. And in the midst of that, what I found out was. That if, if I stay who I am in the midst of this, then the only voice of reason when we come out of this will be my mindset because I was able to say, I'm not changing. Right. You know, I told, I told my mom this. I'm like, mom, I'm not doing this same thing again. Right. No, I'm going to trust that my aunt is going to a better place. I'm going to trust that the good book says what it says, that when a child comes in this world that we should mourn, and when somebody goes home that we should rejoice. Mm. So you know what? I'm going to practice that mm. because we've been practicing crying and screaming and every time somebody leaves us, but it contradicts what the, what the, what, what the, Bob, the word that I read says. Right, right. And, 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 and Doc, and it's the same thing with the journey. 
the journey you you will contradict yourself if you do not tell yourself through certain through certain levels of meditation, motivation, affirmations, whatever they may be, that I am who I am. And whatever I'm dealing with is only here for a short time. So, Tony, if I've never gave you nothing else, my brother, let me tell you something. Pick yourself up. Understand what you're going through. It's going to have its season. Everything has its season. Keep a smile on your face. But more importantly, keep your destiny in front of you. I love it. And and I really, really want to hit on and reinforce what you said about the um, when you look at when a child comes in the world mourn, but then when they leave your or when someone leaves to rejoice. And I want to phrase that in a way that is if we believe something, for instance, if we believe things happen for a reason and everywhere I go, when I speak with people, people overwhelmingly believe this things happen for a reason. I got to this spot in my life for a reason, but then I find time and again, when we're going through those tough reasons where we got the mentality of why is this happening to me instead of this is for that reason. We don't get to just pick what that reason is. We get to pick how we deal with that reason or with what's coming to us. And so, um, I, I believe like, for instance, and to me, this kind of relates to a lot that's going on in the world with all of this uh, idea of, of, of what's going on. Like we're seeing all this road rage and things like that, because I think if, if and we can get to some of the bigger stories in a bit, but what I, what the point I want to make is this, I see this so often when someone's driving down a road and if someone cuts them off, they think, how dare somebody cut me off? And well, how could you believe in one breath that things happen for a reason and then in the next breath be upset when someone cuts you off and slows you down? How do you know that wasn't a divine energy saying, hey, you need to slow down in your day right now? Um, so I think living by those principles is important. Yeah, I think that's what, you know, there was a um, just to, you know, give Tony sometimes context on sometimes sometimes you got to be OK with exactly where you, where you are, mm. you know, um, you know, you spoke about road rage and, you know, there's a story I read about the young kid out of USC, Joe McKnight. And to know that his life is now gone because he had a dispute with a 50 plus year old man on the highway. And I, I guess what puzzles me is, how they got so far down the road to rage that someone would pull a pistol and shoot this young kid, you know, just, right. yeah, just on the road, on the road, doc. And, you know, and I go back to say this, you know, nowadays you have so many people thinking that what they believe is right. Mm. Everything they say is right. And anything that anybody else says is wrong. And if somebody tweets something that they think, oh, they wrong and they're the worst person ever. And they're, look, wake up, people. Everybody won't agree with you. Mm. That's why we have different opinions. That's why I got my own tongue, my own thoughts, my own ways. But we have to find a way to disagree and then come back and agree. Yeah. You don't have to be mad at every damn body to where you're taking lives because of a dispute. 
you're, yeah, it really, it, it's re, it's the reason why, and you know, I'm excited for our listeners to know that you and I are going to be soon putting out this book, 52 Days of Inspiration. But the reason why we chose to start off the whole thing with the power of humility is, is for what you just said right there. If we can start realizing that we don't have to be right about everything, that our word isn't final, that we can be humble, that we can be open to learning, and we approach life in this way, it changes it changes how we experience our obstacles. So someone cuts me off, maybe that's, that was supposed to slow me down. Um, listen, being open to learning, you're right. Someone says something, what am I doing that's drawing in people saying things about me? And just being open constantly to learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think the the bottom line, you know, just to really help Tony out and help a lot, lot of people out is, you know, maybe you're not, maybe you're not, where you want to be and and maybe you know things are really heavy on your shoulders right now you know whatever whatever system you have whether it's prayer whether it's meditation whatever whatever system you have you must depend on your system and more importantly you must depend on it because sometimes life takes you in a different direction because it actually saves you from going down the wrong direction. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I believe, I, I really, really genuinely wholeheartedly believe that. Um, that's huge. And I hope this helps you, Tony. And I hope it really honestly helps all the listeners out there because I think so many people struggle to maintain motivation when things are falling apart around them. Look, we got a lot more coming back. We're going to take a brief break. And when we come back, we got a lot more from, uh, you, our fans. So stick with us. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. All right, we're back and um, we have a great, we're, we're dealing with some questions from, from fans that I think are really genuinely important. Look, when Ray and I set out to do this podcast, we said we want to tackle life. Genuinely, we want to tackle life and people are struggling and we know that. We know a lot of you out there are going through so much. And, um, that's why we were really drawn to Stephanie Wade's question, which, uh, and this is for you particularly, Ray, and I, and I, and I'm excited to hear you talk about this because I know so much about this from you. But Stephanie says, I've read your book. You've been through so much and your childhood wasn't easy. So how at a young age did you know how to take all that anger and hardship and use it in a positive way to better yourself? And when she says most kids would have gone the opposite way. That's a great question, Stephanie. Stephanie, oh my gosh, let me tell you something. I'm thank you first of all, thank you for reading my book. Um I wrote that book to let people know that, you know, that book basically says don't ever judge a book by its cover. Because sometimes you just never know what you're dealing with. 
And I think what it does for me, Stephanie, when you ask how did I overcome these things and how did these things happen in my life, how did these things happen in my life, my faith never wavered. Mm. My discipline was always intact. And I paid attention to what majority of people were doing and I find I found myself doing the opposite. Mm. You know, if you think about those things and what those things give you is those things give you a balance of I have a plan and I have a system. My faith was found in every time I failed to pray, every time I didn't have the things I wanted to have. Every time I wanted things that that maybe I didn't need, but my discipline is what kept me dialed in to the mission, to to what I was really chasing, which much was much much bigger than where I was. But let's let's think about it. I mean, there were definitely people who pulled on you, right? I mean, there had to be people around you that were like, Ray, come on, let's do this. You know, you don't need to be doing all this push ups. You'll need to be doing let's come come do this. Come you know, come take this easy path. I'm sure there were those people that pulled on you to try to get you to stop doing what you were doing. Yeah, and that's why I said the last thing was I found myself doing the opposite of what most people was doing, Doc. That's one thing I'm telling you, man. You you paid attention to in the early 90s, in the early 90s, 91, 92, um, drugs, drugs stormed our little, our little city. Our city was a nice country town and drugs stormed us in, in the 90s. And a bunch of guys who were great and probably way better than me in athletics, a bunch of guys cho- chose drugs. Mm. They chose that. You know what? I want to make the quicker dollar. I want to have the best car. I want to have all the fancy clothes. And instead of education and the sk- and instead of college, they chose they chose drugs. And I never forget what guy walked up to me one time and he was like, "So you're gonna invest in football?" And then he opened up his hand and he showed me five pieces of crack cocaine. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know how much money this going to make me? He said, I, man, I can buy anything I want. And I said, first of all, my head would get knocked off my shoulders if my mom knew that I was even having this conversation. <laughs> right? And I said, second of all, brother, I that that ain't me. Bro, I I promise you the, the God I serve, he tells me I don't I don't need no vices to get me where I needs to be. And, and, and so, and so that's why I think, you know, kids who feel in peer pressure and, and, and going through all of these things of influence from other people, you have to, you have to stand firm with who you are. You have to stand firm and understanding like why I had to stand for that doc. I had to stand for that because I promised my mom that I would always respect her brand. Yeah. I will always respect how she made me feel. And I think that's key, man, Stephanie, that, that you must hear what I'm saying, Stephanie Wade, that, you know, yeah, it was rough. It was rough, but I had a system of, of faith, discipline and, and doing the opposite of what most people was doing. And, and, and you know what's funny? Um, honestly, not, not just to Stephanie, to everybody. 
I've never forgotten that system. Yeah. That system is still who I am and it still carries me through any hard time or anything that I may find myself going through. Great it's question. what, it's what, yeah, and it's really the, the consistency is what makes, when you look at you, when you look at Michael Jordan, when you look at all the greatest, you look at people and you have a consistency about your life that you stick to things. And there were probably times when you didn't want to stick to it. There were probably times when it was so tempting to not stick to it. But at the end of the day, you did. And I think that's the message I've learned from you. And I've seen not only from your book, but from being able to be so close with you. And here, you stick with things. You stick with that. And whether it's your dream, your vision, your mission, you stick with it. Uh, you know, I have a message. I really, really, really want to just like kind of reach in the hearts of any young person who's thinking about going down the route of selling drugs. And let me tell you this, um, because when that guy opened his hand up and said, hey, look, here's a here's look how much money I'm holding in my hand to you. It reminded me of a story. And I was in the prison and this guy said to me, he said, do you realize I was making fifty thousand dollars a month? And I said, listen, how long is your how long you've been in here? Ten years. And I said, great. Fifty thousand dollars a month. That's a lot of money. But $50,000 spread over 10 years, that's not a lot of money. So I think we think short-term... Uh, and we think impulse and think, how do I satisfy myself now? But when you think big picture, when you think long term, that's not a good investment in your life. When you invest in yourself and you invest in your talents, now you have a chance to, to do something great. But when you try for that quick fix and just get a quick, you know, a quick, uh, uh, money or any of that quick stuff, it's not going to, it's not going to work out. I mean, it's simple why it don't work out, right? You live a life of complete fear. You live a life of confusion. You live a life of good versus evil. Um, and so the choices you make once you go down those route is, is simple. I believe that's a give up. I believe that's a cop out. Yeah. I believe that's an easy way out. And to, to Stephanie's point, I didn't want to take the easy way out. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's pretty, I mean, that's amazing. It really is. There's a, uh, let me, let me f- flip because I feel like Karen Walker asked a question and her question kind of comes on the other end of that. And she says, was there one moment or moments when you realized you weren't just Ray Lewis, but that you had become a role model for young men? And, and so when did you discover that your words and actions could have such a profound impact on others. I think that's Karen Walker. That's a great, great question right there. Was there one moment or moment when you realized you weren't just Ray Lewis, but you'd become a role model for young men? There was a guy in 1995. I was getting ready to to go into the draft, and there was a guy who was one of my closest friends. His name was Larry Webster. He was playing defensive tackle for the Cleveland Browns before we made the merge over to the Baltimore Ravens. And right before I was drafted, right, right when I was drafted, he came up to me and he said, these people in Baltimore love you in Cleveland, man. He was like, they're going crazy over you right now. And I was like, really? And he was like, man, listen, I'm telling you, like, everybody's talking about who is this, who is this, who is this? And the next thing he told me, I will never forget it. He said, I will live 
and die by what you tell me to do. Mm. And I said, I said, wow. I said, Webby, what do you mean? He said, bro, because you're who I believe God put in front of us to follow. Mm. He said, I know you young. I know you young. And I know you may not understand everything I'm telling you. He said, man, but you've been put here to lead. And bro, this one, I'm, this one, I'm 19, 20 years old. Wow. You know, so it's like, and I, and I can't, and Karen, I think that's the, you know, one of the first times that I realized that, you know, my vote, that, that even may not have been more my voice. Maybe it was just more my action at the time of just getting things done and being who I am and standing and standing firm, sometimes in the midst of fire, but coming out untouched. You know, because I was so confident that I would come out. And Karen, if I and I and I and Webby will tell you to this day, every time I see him, I always say to him, Bro, do you remember that conversation we had? <laughs> do you remember what you told me? Because I think it inspired me to really research it more so I can really give people what they were looking for me to give them, Doc. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm telling you, I don't I don't I don't want nobody to say, Oh, guess what? I just jumped up one day and said, hey, I'm going to start speaking in someone's life. You know, <laughs> It started happening naturally um, based off my experiences, and then I started to share with everybody else. Yeah, and you know what? And I think I really want to jump on this because I think that's beautiful, and I think for most people in the world – it's very difficult for us when we first realize or, or, or make that transition to, oh my goodness, people are listening. Sometimes it's exciting. Sometimes it's scary. For me, that moment happened. I was a, a, a teacher at the time. I was teaching high school and I remember asking a question and or I'm, I'm sorry, I, I posed a thought and a whole bunch of hands went up. And kids really started to ask questions. And I thought, oh, my goodness, they're listening to what I have to say. And it was just a really wake up moment. Like these words that I'm about to say are going to impact somebody. And then I've had that moment again, time and again in counseling when people come to me and they're in pain. And I realize the weight of if you're coming to me for help and you're asking me a question, my words are going to resonate with you or and I, and I want to make my words resonate with you. And so I really want our listeners to hear this. Your words, and I mean you're by, by you're in this one, I mean all of you out there, your words mean something. Too often, too many people think, oh, I can just say whatever and it doesn't mean that big of a deal. But words stick with people. Words stick with people a long time. And I can promise you as a psychologist, I have seen people who, uh, I, I remember a woman one time, her mother told her when she was singing, she said to her, she said, I'll never forget, I was 13 years old, I was singing and my mother screamed at me, shut up, shut up, shut your ugly voice up. And she said, you know, I'm in my, I think she was like 30, 38 or something at the time. She goes, I'm 38. And you know, I've never sung a note since that moment. Like those words hurt that badly. And so whether the words are stinging or after somebody, what I would love, and I say this all the time, people see your actions, not your intentions. They hear the words you say. They don't hear the words you meant to say. Um, mm. So mm. Uh, power, the power of life and death. Is found in the tongue. Mm. It's, you can it's, give life, or you can take it. Yes, and, and and you can play with it all you want to, but one day you will be held accountable for what you did with your tongue. Yeah, 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 dog. Yeah. Gotta be careful 
with that one. And but but you, but you know, it's, this is a really powerful topic because we see this with cyberbullying. We see this with people getting on. Uh, I, I forget when we were talking to Dame uh, a, a couple weeks ago, and he was talking about uh, well, I forget how he phrased it. It was a really good term though on uh, cyber cowards. That's what it was. He was like cyber cowards. Like people think they can just throw out language and it's not going to have an effect. And what you just said needs to resonate through people's hearts and understand that the power of life and death is in words. So I think it's really, really important that, Karen, I'm saying this to you and I'm saying this to all the listeners, that people understand that everybody's voice, when you speak, though somebody's listening to those words. And so uh, you are having an impact on somebody. But that's a great, great question. Well, great question. Yeah, it is. Uh, definitely appreciate all these questions. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to answer a, a, a couple more questions because this is really important stuff. So we'll be right back. All right, we're back. And today we're talking about fan questions. And I love it because, again, they're all about life. This is all about things that are that are happening now. This next question comes from Michelle Snowden. And I, I really like the question. This is to you, Ray. She says, you wear many hats. Father, TV host, entrepreneur, philanthropist, VP, co-founder, motivator, activist, and, and coach, everything. And she says, what are some techniques that you use to manage it all? Because <laughs> I, I think a lot of people out there do a lot of stuff. I'm not sure I personally ever met anybody who does as much as Ray. I'm just telling our listeners, I oh, mean, is the busiest person I ever met. But how do you manage it all? Yeah, so... Oh, great question, Michelle. And, and let me tell you how. One of the things that I've did and, and, and I've been doing it my, ooh, a long, long time is I write down everything. I'm mm. talking about everything, doc. I, mm. in my bag right now, I'm not over exaggerating. In my bag right now, I got about 78 different pens. <laughs> <laughs> no lie. And I got, and I got, all type of pads and notes and pieces of paper. I write down everything, every thought, every meeting, um, good, bad, whatever it is. And then, so, so you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I ain't, I'm, I'm going to use my computer. I'm going to write it in my phone. Let me tell you something that I learned, um, Michelle, honestly. I can type something, and it may touch somebody I can write something and I guarantee it can change someone's life mm. because if you physically write it that's why the good book says write the vision and make it plain with all of the things that I have going on the only thing that keeps me sane is when I come back and look at my own handwriting on how I described it mm. And I can tell by how I wrote it, where I was, the mood I was in, I could tell you 100% about that. Now, step two, because after you write it, there has to be another step. What's that next step? Everything has to be completed by a certain time. Mm. If a phone call needed to be back, I'm writing down, I write down almost if I'm, people leave me voicemails or leave me things, I write down 15 people's names and I put them in priority. This, this, this. I got to, I got to call them back by this time, this by this time. And before the, before my evening is over and before my night is over, 
every one of those things are accomplished. Now, what am I doing? I'm putting what's at the forefront of a priority. Mm. What's priority? Like what means something, right? I'll give you one of my first priorities. One of my first priorities is to call my mom and my kids. Mm. My every day. That's one of my first priorities. Everything else from there is business. And business then is put in a certain order on who I need to get back to urgently, who I don't need to get back to. Everybody, let me tell you something. Let me be honest with you, Michelle. You say, how do I deal with a lot of this? Because a lot of this I don't deal with. (laughs) Yeah, you can have a lot going on, but then there are certain things that you don't need to be the focus of at all times. And that's why I have the third thing I was going to tell you is that's why I have teams. Mm. I have teams of people that can take everything that I may pass them. If I have an email come to me and it's a request of any type, that email goes to three tiers of people. That email goes to my personal assistant. That email goes to my lawyer. And then that email also goes to a business manager that oversees all things that I have going. Mm. But you're and, 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 and so let's say listeners out there and doesn't have all access to that. What they do have access to the gold you just gave is you write it down, you prioritize, you make it clear what you're going to do, and then you hold yourself accountable for doing it. So yeah. That, yeah, that, that those are things everybody can do. Yeah, because the yeah, because the back end of it of me having all of those people to do that, that's the back end of it, Doc. The front end of it is what anybody can do, and that is make sure you write it down yourself. Yes. Make sure you prioritize these things yourself. Make sure you put a, de- a, a deadline on, on when you need to get back to certain people or how important is this or, the, or, or and then everything, every situation was funny. Every situation, you don't have to give that much time to. Right. See, that that's one thing about me, Doc. When all these people call me and it's like, uh, I need to have a conversation with you. And then sometimes, Doc, I'm just honest. Sometimes I say, huh, really? Really? <laughs> like, do you want to have a conversation with me? Like, do you know how long that will take for you to have a conversation with me? <laughs> yeah, like, I'm not. I'm always busy. Why? Because I make myself busy. <laughs> you know, so, well, yeah. but but I you I mean the point is really is really well heard I think and and that is you prioritize. I can't say that enough to our listeners. Every one of you out there can do that. You can prioritize and you can decide what's important. Look, I think way too often we all passively allow things to take importance in our lives without letting ourselves be active about it. So we turn on the TV and whatever the TV says is important. Oh, that must be important because the TV said it was important. Um, you know, whatever the news says is important. Well, it must be important because they said it or celebrities or this or that. When we take control of our lives, we determine what's important. And I think that's what our listeners can do. And I think that's the lesson that you're teaching is you take control of your life. You decide what's important in your life. And then you follow through on what's important. And then the truth is, yeah, and when you start doing that, the other things are all going to fall into place. All fall in place. Oh, yeah. 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 Great question. Yeah, it really is. Listen, we, we, uh, we, we have just time for just a couple more and, and, and uh, Andrew Hauser asked two questions and I'm going to let Andrew get both these questions in because I like, I really like Andrew's question and, and the second one's super fun. So let's start with the first one. The first one is this. 
Ray, who do you look to for inspiration? Whether it's a family member or a popular public figure, like who do you look for inspiration? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of build on that question and say, who did you look to when you were younger for inspiration? Who do you look to now for inspiration? I've always, Andrew, um, I've always found my greatest inspiration to be my mother. Mm. I don't know. First of all, to see her endure life, to see my mom raise a man, not to be a man, but to understand a man. Um, mm. When you talk about a hero, she is my hero. I don't know. I don't, you know, I can, I can give you people that I respect, that I pay attention to. You know, Jim Brown, I, 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 oh my gosh, the respect and the way I look up to him and the relationship that we have is just, it's just overwhelming at times. The relationship of, of him really seeking me out and, and pouring into my life and, and giving me all of the knowledge that he has in his brain and, and, and making me that guy, mm. you know, um, and, and, and I'm, I'm sitting around as a kid when my grandfather at the time was trying to explain to me who Jim Brown was and what Jim Brown meant. <laughs> so for me to be having, you know, to look down at my phone and I got him in my phone as Papa Brown. <laughs> when I look, when I look down and I see Papa Brown calling me, I'm like, Ray Lewis. You got Jim Brown calling you, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I'm so humbled, man, because, you know, he's a guy that I've always looked at as one of my, one of my favorite people in the whole world. But when I, every time I come back to it, man, I always wanted to make sure, Doc, honestly, that my mother never had tears of pain. Mm. I always wanted to. Bring my mom, my mother, tears of joy, and that's what I believe every young kid should inspire to do. You know, you think about all of these people hurting other people, man, and taking these lives of all of these kids and stuff. Doc, it's because they're not thinking about a mother's cry. Right. They're not thinking about a mother's pain for the rest of their lives that have to sit there and go around every birthday and go around every holiday and not have their children there. Yeah. You know? And that's why for me, you know, it's 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 eerie because when people put you in a certain category with certain people, it bothers you because you know you're nothing like that. Right. You know, because to 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 do that to, is to take away from humanity. You know, and right. that's my mom, she done a hell of a job, man, raising me Never to hurt, always to love, always to respect, always to stand for a person of character, a true man of integrity, a man that's after God owns heart, owns heart. And, and that's what I've always been. And if any other person has always inspired me outside of my mom, it would probably be, uh, Jim Brown. Well, yeah. I, listen, I, I, I need to, I want to come in with a question from, uh, I'll come back to Andrew's second question, but I want to come in with another question from Michelle Thorpe. And I, because this is really powerful and builds off what you just said, which is Michelle asks, Mr. Lewis, I'm a single mom 
of an honor roll 13 year old young man. I'm challenged every day by not being able to be a strong male figure in his life, which he needs. So were there any suggestions? So here's a single mom who's asking you this. And, and, and I, I, this is a good question. Yeah. And let me tell you the suggestions, Michelle. Honestly, the, the, the suggestions would be, you know, it's not about trying to raise him as a man. It's about teaching him what manly things are. And I'll give you an example of what my mom did with me. My mom took me, my mom took me how to, showed me how to cook, clean, wash, fold, braid, plait, iron, everything, everything. She says, I will give you the ability to take care of yourself. Mm. And you don't have to worry about nobody ever. You ain't gonna ask no woman to cook for you. You ain't gonna ask no man to take care of you. You ain't gonna, I'm gonna teach. I'm gonna teach you everything it is that you should know about being being a man, not a man, right? Because a woman can never she can never teach you a man things because she's not a man. But what she can give you is she can give you everything that you will need in this life to carry you through. And I'm telling you, man, I applaud my mama because I remember when I was, Doc, listen, I used to sit there and I used to wonder why my mom used to make me iron my brothers and sisters clothes every night before, before, before school. Mm. She used to go iron them clothes and I used to go iron them halfway and she said, that, no, that ain't iron. Let me show <laughs> you what iron, let me show you what iron looks like. You know what? That ain't folding. I told you to fold the towels. Look at the towels and it's, and man, my mom, and, and Doc, I'm telling you to this day, people come around me. It's like, man, you're such a neat freak. Like, I'm like, <laughs> man, I'm not a neat freak. My mom raised me a certain way and I'm not going against it because now I appreciate it even more. So to Michelle, um, Thorpe's question, I think, you know, the only thing that, the only thing that makes us use single parent is when the other parent is absent. But the only thing that confirms being a parent is even though you're a single parent, you must still give them all of the capabilities that he has that you can give him in this world that will take him to whatever level he wants to go to in life. I love, love, love that answer. And I feel like that answer really is the reason why we set out to do that 52 days of inspiration book, because as you, as you, as you're right, she sets up and so many single parents out there, they need to set their children up for as much success as they can. And if there's not a male figure in their lives, you kind of look for the lessons from male figures in their lives and you being the role model you are, you know, people are going to start to read this 52 days of inspiration and they're going to start to see what that male role model influence looks like through the, through the really the the invaluable life lessons that we give. I, I got one final question from our, from our listeners and that's Andrew's second question. So Andrew, I told you we're getting both your questions today, buddy. And we are, and this is a good one. I love it. He said, Ray, where did you learn to do that famous dance for your intro? I want to oh know boy. the answer to that. Right, here we go. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, Doc. First you take me from almost to tears. Now you take me to joy. <laughs> <laughs> Man, an old friend of mine, um, there was a dance in, in my little area in Tampa, Florida, Lakeland, Florida. And there was a dance called um, the Squirrel. And, and he used to go, mm, 
Let me see you squirrel. Madonna's <laughs> 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 girl, right? And it was this, it was this thing. And it was his dance. It was his dance. And this retired, uh, military vet by the name of Kirby Lee, he, you know, got some, you know, post-traumatic things going on with his brain and all that stuff, right? But he's a diehard Ray Lewis fan, man. And he got me tattooed on him and everything. So I just befriended him years ago and I just vowed to always take care of him. So I would go home and I would buy him clothes. I would pay his rent. I would do whatever for him, man. And Doc, I came home one day and he used to always say, sugar, sugar. He used to always say, I got this dance for you, sugar. (laughs) I got this remix for you, sugar. And, And he started hitting this dance one day, bro. And I'm like, hit that thing, Kerb. And, and next thing you know, I was like, Kerb, guess what? He was like, what? I said, I'm going to do that dance on TV one day. And he was like, no, you're not. <laughs> I said, I'm going to freaking do it one day. And then one day I came and I asked my defensive coordinator at the time, Marvin Lewis. I was like, Marv, look, I know they're going to introduce the defense. I said, at the end of it, I'm going to hit this dance. And he was like, <laughs> he was like, go ahead, go ahead. And I done this dance in Baltimore and that stadium lost their mind <laughs> and from there from there every email every radio station was like ray lewis must dance again we have to see this every week and then once i started to realize you know how popular this dance started to become you know i started you know choreographing it myself i was used to put movie clips in it you know gladiator when he gave it when he says when I give the signal, unleash hell, you know, um, you know, then, you know, say what we do in life, you know, it echoes in eternity, yes. you know, and it's like yes. all of these things, man, I started, I started putting myself in a gladiator form, you know, uh. like I was, I was Russell Crowe walking into the Coliseum every time I walked on a stadium field. And then I started to realize like how much that it was being watched and people were starting to pay attention to it. And then, one day, I'll never forget it. I was doing it in the mirror at the crib to one of these songs, and then God gave me a different revelation to it. He was like, do it for me. And I was like, wow, do it for you. And then if you start to see it later, I started going to the right. When I went to the right, it was for the Father. When I came to the left, it was back for the Holy Spirit. And when I came down the, mi- down the middle, it was for the Father, Holy Spirit, all in one. Mm. So I started to complete it to make it a real spiritual thing. Yeah. And so I, when I exploded at the end and, and grabbed my chest and just let go at the end, that's when I was giving God all control. Yeah. I was like, you're in control because I'm about to do something with my body that I'm not going to think about it, but I'm going to run into people full speed. And I don't know how I'm going to end up being at the end of the day. But if I give it all to you, then I know you will take care of me. And so that's why it became a spiritual thing. It was a very fun thing. When I first started it, I put all this music with it and everything, but it became this spiritual movement that that after I put on the whole armor, I would come out and go into battle like Russell Crowe and, and Gladiator and Maximus and come out in that Coliseum and mm. just roar and be like, I'm here to, if I die on the battlefield, if, if my last play, 
I can't walk off it. I'm going to give it everything I got. That's kind of where that dance came from. That's awesome. I mean, you look, you put your body, mind, and spirit into everything you did, and that's what led to you being as great as you are. And and, yeah. that, and that, that's a lesson everybody can take. Look, today we took time. We wanted to answer the questions from our fans because we believe that everybody's everybody out there listening, like we really value what you have to say, and uh, we, we, we appreciate you tuning in. So this was fun. It was fun to be able to do, and I love being able to hear the origin of that dance. That's awesome. Yeah, Doc. I appreciate you, man. Listen, we're going to get to a lot of other questions. I mean, as you guys know, we don't have to explain them. There are thousands and thousands of questions out there. Um, me and Doc are starting a lot of uh, different things um, together. Um, I think he explained to you the book that we have coming out that's going to be amazing. And everything we're doing, you got to understand, we're doing it because we believe we are pioneers to help take our country to the next level and just share life with people and tackle all of these issues and just keep going and we'll figure it all out together yeah T- together for sure man i love doing yep. it with you every day thank you for downloading the tackling life podcast and if you want more on the tackling life content go to tacklinglifepodcast.com from there you'll find links to our pages on itunes google play and other podcast sites where you can subscribe and get two all-new episodes automatically downloaded every week. There are also links to the Tackling Life Facebook and Twitter pages where you can become a part of the Tackling Life community and give us feedback, questions, ideas, and suggestions. And please help spread the word and bring in new listeners by giving us a rating and review on our iTunes page. Until next time, for Ray Lewis, I'm Dr. Christian Conti. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. A supportive work environment can help everyone working in schools stay resilient. Just finding people that can reassure me that I'm doing my best and that there are people out there who understand me and can help me through these situations. You are not alone. Leaning on each other, uh, colleagues in education is, is essential. You have to. We take care of one another. Find what helps at cdcfoundation.org slash how right now. That's cdcfoundation.org slash how right now.